0: This is for Maine with Love, an Allagash Brewing podcast where we talk about beer, our community here in Maine, and things that generally make us happy. My name is Brett. I work on the marketing team over here at Allagash. And with me, I have Liz Wilson. Hey, everybody. She's our marketing manager. And Patrick Chavanel, an R&D technical brewer here at Allagash. Howdy. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Patrick, we're going to talk about our pilot beer program in specific and innovation kind of at Allagash in general. But I wanted to start with talking with you about something that I know you're interested in, which is fermentation. Have you like, you talked about making like, you know, different fermented things at home. Are you making anything interesting at this point in time?
1: You know, you said the word interested and it's not really um, interested in fermentation. It's more that. Fermentation is a complete and total obsession. So just to (laughs) clarify. Thank you. (laughs) um, Right now, you know, it's, I have two kids at home, two young kids, so it's kind of hard to do anything Mm -hmm. really. Um, But in terms of fermenting this, like when it starts to get cold out, it's kind of the start of bread season for me. So like I bake a loaf of bread every week. And I always do it with like a natural sourdough starter. So if you can count that as a fermentation, that's kind of all I have going on. hundred percent. Right but it's, it's something. Dude,
0: at the beginning of the pandemic, I tried to make a sourdough starter and it failed utterly miserably. And for some reason, I just started making another one. So you'll get it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Very eventually.
2: My husband has gone on many adventures of making sourdough starters, so much so that I've Had to carry them on uh, the subway in New York to make sure I was taking care of it. And it was not left unattended. So I have a like mild disdain for sourdough starters.
0: (laughs) I'm a masochist because I'm not good at them, but I want to do them anyway. So to kind of set the stage for what we're going to be talking about, um, Patrick, could you just tell us kind of like what is a pilot beer program? in general? I mean, you could say what is our pilot beer program, but I'm just kind of interested in your take on what kind of a pilot beer program should be.
1: All right. Yeah. This is a pretty big question that it might be hard to generalize, but I'll do my best. Um, you know, a pilot beer program, I guess is, uh, a program for new beer development for, for breweries in general. Uh, typically they're done on the smaller side and by smaller, I just mean like volume wise, it's kind of the first step to like new beer innovation. So generally you'd start with, you know, a concept of some sort that you want to work on, uh, formulate a recipe around that concept, um, brew the beer on your small system, analyze it, either rebrew or then take the next step in terms of, figuring out how best to scale it up for like a larger batch size. So I know that, um, you know, not all breweries have the capability of having a small system to do these sort of things on. So uh, we're kind of lucky there um, for a number of reasons, uh, that being one of them. Um, But, you know, in terms of how it's done here, I think it's, it's one of the coolest things that we do as a brewery, you know, for there are plenty of breweries that have um, a system that's similar to the one that we use, but the fact that we're as big as we are and we fully rely on the ideas that come in from like every employee in order to generate like the new beer ideas for, for beers that we're eventually going to sell on a larger scale It's pretty special. Um, So, uh, yeah, the the way we go about it here is, uh, to my knowledge, unlike anywhere else.
2: Do you recall how long we've been running our pilot program? Has it basically been our entire existence?
1: You know, that's a good question. Um, I want to just throw out a number and say 15 (laughs) years maybe, but... It has changed so much over the course of that time. You know, I've been here 11 years uh, as an employee at Allagash. And uh, I think within the first six months, maybe a little later, uh, I started on the pilot team. And back then, there were four of us, I think. Um, And, you know, it was much different. You know, we'd have uh, the... We would meet maybe once a month, and meetings were just kind of sitting at a table, and they weren't organized by any means. Uh, and our system for accepting ideas and like getting in new ones—it was, it was all done by paper and like lots of paper, paper ideas, paper ballots that we had to look at. Um, and you know, looking at that compared to how we are now, it's. Pretty incredible how uh, the team has evolved. So, um, so yeah, it's been around for a while, um, but it it is unlike what it started out as.
0: Totally. To, so to, to kind of pursue that, like, what would you say are the biggest differences between then and now? Um. Oh man. Less um,
2: paper. Um, <laughs> All yeah, way forms. less
1: paper. Yeah, that's about it. Next question. No. <laughs> um, you know it's. There are, it's just, it's completely different. It's, it's kind of hard to yeah. just uh, pick and choose a few things. Um,
2: and Patrick, n- who makes up the pilot team?
1: Right now, so right now there's a team of 11 of us, um, myself included. And the, you know, one benefit of this team is that it's not just all uh, people within production or like, you know, brewers, mm-hmm. if, you, if you will. Uh, There are some brewers for sure, um, but there are also people, there's someone from uh, the lab, uh, there's someone from engineering. um, There are a few positions that are kind of just, what do we call them? Uh, Basically like floating in a sense of, they can be from whatever department. We wanna make sure uh, that we have uh, a number of people and ideas just not just from within production, but from all aspects of the brewery. Uh, the warehouse—we have a position from the warehouse. So, uh, and the good thing, and the unfortunate thing, in a way too, is that a number of these positions will rotate. Um, so I say unfortunate because, you know, it's they're they're on a like a basically um, people stay on for two years and then you cycle off. Um, sometimes we can ask you to stay on for another two. Um, but generally, uh, it's two years you cycle off then we can ask you back on at like a a later time. Um, and the, the unfortunate thing is, you know, you, you start to work with these people and you bring them up to speed and, uh, and you know, they're contributing and then you have to uh, let them go and like bring somebody else on. Um, but the huge benefit in that is that every time we bring Um, new people onto the team, we always improve. We always either change our processes, you know, we have new Mm -hmm. fresh ideas coming in and uh, we always get better. So I think that benefit outweighs the fact that like, you know, we have to say goodbye to someone for a little bit for, um, someone that's interested in, in submitting a new pilot idea. Like if you have a concept in mind that you want to submit, uh, It's as simple as going on to our internal website, uh, looking at at the pilot team page, uh, and then right on the top is submit your pilot idea. Uh, The whole intention there uh, is to set the barrier to entry as low as possible. Uh, And so not only is it easy to navigate to, uh, and for any new employee, that's part of the, the pilot orientation. We kind of walk them through this process. And uh, clicking on the link brings you up to a form. Uh, And again, that's a super simple, easy form. It's not like someone needs to come with an idea and a recipe as well. Uh, You can just come with an idea, you know, like be inspired by something that you ate and wanting to recreate that in a beer. So the way that the form is set up is it's more so asking you, you know, what is your general idea and concept? And, uh, the more important thing is there's a question on there that asks about what sort of flavors and aromas you're looking to achieve in the finished beer. Uh, that's the thing that, you know, we Mm -hmm. put a ton of focus on when we review these new ideas. Um, so I guess going back a little bit too, you know, uh, in terms of the question of like who can do this um, it's literally anyone that works at the brewery. Uh, So going back to how like special our, our program is in general, the fact that anyone that works at Allagash can submit an idea and then potentially that beer can be released as like a full scale, uh, full scale brew at some point in the future, if it's well received. And so um, in terms of submitting, an idea uh, once a person goes through those steps and clicks the submit button, then all the pilot team members get an email uh, saying like this new sheet has been populated with a new idea, and we go in and look. Uh, so the special thing is that uh, when we do that, we are fully blind to everything outside of you know the answers to the questions that they they submitted. so, what is their general concept and what sort of flavors and aromas are they looking to achieve? Uh, we don't know who submitted it, um, and that was purposely done in order to remove any potential for bias. Mm-hmm. Um, so, say as an example, you know Jason Perkins submits an idea. You know, in the past years ago, <laughs> you. You would read the idea, obviously, but if you saw Jason's name, you're not going to give him like a three. three <laughs> Jason, Jason's our brewmaster. Three means by the you way. don't like it. <laughs>
0: yeah, no. You oh,
1: right. Sorry. Uh, so, so now it's blind everyone. So you know, Rob Todd could submit an idea, uh, and uh, we wouldn't know it until we vote on it and look at the results, and then we do a review of who submitted it. So again, to remove any potential for bias, uh, and along those same lines. We have set it up so that each individual pilot team member uh, votes, you know, uh, you vote from one to three. So three is bad. Two, you're neutral. Uh, So by bad, I mean like you don't really like the concept. You don't think it's something that we should pursue. I don't want to say bad. (laughs) You're garbage. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Two is neutral. And then one is like you like the idea. You think it's something Uh that we should move forward with. When each team member votes, the vote is then hidden for all the other team members. So again, it's another means of removing bias across team members so that uh, just using Jason as another example. So if Jason were to rank an idea a one and then someone were to see, oh, Jason likes this idea, maybe I should voted a one as well. So that's removed. So he can do whatever he wants and then I'm going to vote the way I want to vote Without having to think about you know all these other variables outside of just being able to focus on the specific idea and that's it. So, um, so that uh, once each team member votes, you know we have a, a weekly meeting where we'll uh, pull up all the new ideas that have been submitted. We will uh, reveal the results, see whether or not it was accepted. Uh, once it's accepted, then we'll pair that. Uh, idea up with a pilot team member to help them work on a recipe. And then we'll reveal whose idea it was so they know who to reach out. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the pathway for acceptance, if you will. Beyond that, you know, we schedule a brew day to brew. Uh, and once it's brewed, it ferments for a period of time. Um, I'm not sure if, if you want me to talk about the process of tapping and evaluating
0: these right now. I think now. we can get into that. But I just want to say, like, as a person who has submitted uh, a pilot idea and also knows very little and next to nothing about legitimately brewing beer, like it's really cool and empowering to see how the process works. Because you work with the brewer who knows kind of like, okay, you want a caramelish flavor. Let's add this much of this malt or, oh, you want this sort of like a fruity tropical aroma. Okay, let's add the hops at this point. Let's add these sorts of hops. And it's not like they're just mandating anything. They're saying, like, does this sound good to you? Like, and so you, you really talk it out. And so there's not an aspect of like handing it off so much as it is like bringing it to life with uh, the brewer. So very cool.
1: Yeah. And the other great thing, too, is, you know, it's not just that you're working with one person. Every idea that comes through, it's kind of a, a hmm. team effort. You know, you do work with an individual to create that recipe, but then that recipe is sent to the entire team. For the team to review and give feedback on, uh, and you know, it's it's basically every beer that goes through this system is is like a full team effort outside of you know the person's whose idea it is. So, uh, so it's like a we're all collaborating a, on it in a sense.
2: As someone who's never submitted idea, <laughs>
1: <I'm-> <laughs> oh, submit come on, <laughs> what <not? laughs>
2: I still haven't. I think about it like really frequently and I, um, I'm like paralyzed (laughs) by options. I think that is like, that's my problem is I can't, I'm like, Oh God, what is it going (laughs) to be? So I'm the, yeah, I'm writing these, I'm writing this process down. I'll, uh, I'll submit something. Um, But I think, you know, when you're evaluating the beer is, you know, you, put them through that sort of rating system are there because i i know we've released beers that have been pretty labor intensive whether it's like a certain ingredient or something that would be hard to scale up i guess you know just more of a fun question but are there any memorable pilot beers that were fun because of an uh, interesting ingredient or we're particularly challenging and we're like, Nope, never do that again. Or, you know, what, I think that's sort of the beauty of the pilot system is to be able to experiment with things like this. But I just, are there any standouts um, over the years? I
1: mean, mean, the first one that comes to mind, I I can answer this question a few ways. The first one that comes to mind and is actually part of kind of the acceptance process is we have to ask ourselves a few questions uh when we are accepting new ideas one is that like is this a beer or concept that we can see allagash pursuing and brewing on a a larger scale uh the other is uh is this an idea that seems feasible um so that one was added (laughs) a bit uh a bit earlier you know a few years ago i guess um and you know I get the example I was thinking of is we did a beer called Darling Ruby, which required us on when we were piloting the beer to, uh, zest some grapefruit, you know, uh, when you're doing it on the scale that we are at least to start, you know, our pilot system is essentially 15 gallons. Mm. It's a half barrel. Um, it doesn't seem like too much of a, A hassle to zest, you know, five grapefruits and then, you know, it takes you a couple minutes and you're done. But when you think about it in terms of scaling that, and instead of doing a half barrel, you do a thousand barrels, then it starts to become (laughs) unbelievably labor intensive to the point where you have to consider hiring temp work in order to just zest the fruit that you need to use for the beer so um so yeah we have to always kind of make sure that any new idea is practical but having said that you know we still do want some of those beers not all beers that are submitted are going to be beers that we make Mm -hmm. like a thousand barrels of Uh, and that's great and maybe because it's fresh in my mind because we just brewed it today we have one that uh, uses koji rice as a portion of the mash. And it's this intensive, by intensive, I guess I mean like somewhat labor-intensive. It's a very long brew day. Uh, So a portion of the mash is converted. uh, So the starch is converted to fermentable sugar through the addition of koji rice uh, that's added to a bunch of uh, cooked grain. That sits for 8 to 10 hours. And then we kind of grain in the base beer on top of it. Um, so just thinking about scaling that sort of concept up, that would mean that it would take nearly a day to brew one batch. And right now on our 70 barrel system, we can do 10 batches in a day roughly. So that's clearly not a beer that we could scale, but It's a beer that's extremely interesting that we've done a few times now and and really like. And, uh, you know, not all beers are going to be something that we brew on our larger brew house or 70 barrel brew house. Uh, We still want the ideas that, you know, we could just brew one uh, and it might take a bunch of work, but it's going to be worth it because in the end, the beer is awesome. So we kind of want both a good blend, a good mix of both.
2: And yeah, Patrick, I think the other thing that is interesting is talking about a few of the beers that have been scaled up and that might be recognizable to people. So um, one that comes to mind, I think is one of our most used examples is Two Lights, um, which uh, goes into a pretty big distribution for us each summer. Um, And that was a pilot idea that came in from a member of our sales team who enjoyed drinking wine spritz, wine wine spritzers. wine spritzers uh, and so on to see if we could brew a beer that had the essence of that. But are there other beers that folks might recognize um, that have started on our pilot system?
1: Oh, man. I mean, literally all of them do. (laughs) Uh, The first one that popped into my head was Nowaday. Um, You know, it's a beer that we brewed last year. Uh, And it started as an idea from uh, Jason Winchester works in our Mm -hmm. packaging department. And it was to do uh, a, like a colder fermented beer of sorts. So, uh, so we're a brewery that, you know, we, we rely heavily on yeast character for the beers that we make. Um, I think Jason Perkins has said before, like we're a yeast forward brewery. It's a bit (laughs) weird to, to say, but uh, not weird to say, but it might sound <laughs> odd for someone who doesn't know exactly what that yeah. means. But we rely heavily on yeast to give the majority of the character to our beers. So, uh, what that means is we generally have to, you know, use a Belgian strain and ferment warm. Uh, when you ferment warm, you're getting um, what are called like esters, and esters are certain aromatic compounds that will contribute to you know, the aroma of a beer. And his idea was to uh, do a colder fermented beer that, you know, you wouldn't get as much yeast character and then to add a fair amount of uh, these noble hops, um, Hallertau, that uh, lend this, you know, floral, green, uh, grassy character. So the beer was, you know, less... Yeast forward, if you will, and more about uh, like the subtleties of the yeast and fermentation. Uh, and it was more so about the hops than anything else. so um, that was a cool beer that you know even over the course of the years that it was first brewed, which was I don't even know six, hmm. seven years ago, maybe even it was cool to see the beer develop from uh, from even like brand to brand. first it was called hmm. noble blonde. Um, and then maybe it was even brewed before that. Uh, but then it turned into, into, nowadays and that beer is so good.
0: I yeah, love that beer. It's awesome. I feel like it just brings up an interesting thing that I've experienced from that. I wouldn't have expected coming outside of, from outside of the beer industry. And it's just that like, it feels like our brewers and people generally in the brewery get so excited by beers that people outside of the brewery might not get as excited about or like wouldn't hear and think excitement. Like I think of like, uh, Corey's lager. Like, uh, one of our brewers brewed a, a really, really good, but it was, it was a lager, you know, it was a very balanced, excellent lager. And it was like everyone in the brewery was talking about it when it was on a pilot tap, it like went away almost immediately from that pilot tap. And it's just funny. Cause you wouldn't necessarily think that that would be the most exciting beer for people, but it was so good.
1: Oh, it was so good. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, uh, just thinking about how we capture feedback that was more of like the old-school approach in a sense where, um, you know, we, we've gotten a bit more technical lately, but, um, but back in the day, you know, five-plus years ago, the way we determined whether a beer was good or not was how full the keg was when we took it off tap or the chatter about the beer throughout the brewery. So that was one of those uh, instances where, you know, not only was it well received with the metrics that we're looking at nowadays, but, um, but it was also anything that it was, there was all yeah. that people were talking about, uh, essentially for, I wanted to say the week that it was on, but I don't even think it lasted a week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so for these pilot beers, I guess, what's the, what's the next step? If you have a successful pilot beer, uh, it gets good metrics inside the brewery. Like, I guess what, what happens next?
1: You know, uh, we've actually um, changed that process uh, as recently as last year Um, just to ensure that, you know, of the beers that were brewed over the past year, uh, we want to make sure that we are considering scaling up the ones that were the most well-received. So Mm -hmm. one thing that we did uh, last year was we took a look at you know, the, the list of all beers that were what we call catalog. So if they're well received uh, by everyone who tastes them and uses the platform that we use to, to gather sensory feedback called draft labs, we will uh, then during our team meetings, we with whatever beers are taken off tap as a team, we'll look at that information and then each team member has a vote as to whether or not they want to, you know, catalog a beer, or kind of move on from the idea. So what we did last year is we took a list of all those beers that were cataloged. So all of like, you know, the great beers that have gone through the system and as a team, we ranked them. So we did an exercise to, you know, see, uh, of all of these, what are your top 15? Uh, once we got that information, we kind of looked at that list and, um, and sort of figured out what made the most sense in order to, to take the next step. Uh, So the cool thing that was really started last year is this new series that uh, is tasting room only. um, And uh, it is sort of like the, you know, once a beer graduates from the pilot system uh, it then moves on to a, or it has the potential to move on to a from Maine with love, um, release. So those are, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we have two brew houses. We have the 70 barrel brew house and a 30 barrel brew house. Mm-hmm. Um, so for all from Maine with love releases, it's just a uh, one batch on our smaller brew house, um, that's released in our tasting room. So I can't even remember how many we did last year, maybe four,
0: 13, 12, 12, 12, I think. Yeah. we just, we're just on 13 now.
1: Yeah. And the, the majority of those, you know, some came from our wild facility, but the majority were from, uh, you know, were, were pilot ideas. Um, and one of the, the benefits of having something like this is um, to be able to not just gather feedback internally, but to get a sense you know, because, you know, we're all, we all work at a brewery. We're all in some way, shape or form, beer geeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so just as like, like I spoke of before is uh, there's a potential bias there just across all of us, especially if, you know, I taste the beer and I'm like, oh, hey, Brett, this beer's so good. And then putting that mm. in your ear, I'm like, oh, this beer's so good. Yeah. And then you spread it. So with the From man With Love uh, series, we can kind of get a sense of, you know, what um, what everyone else thinks about uh, some of the beers that were actually like the way I look at it is like the cream of the crop of all the pilots go through there and that's kind of like the first step into something potentially bigger um, so when you know when a beer is released as a from man with love uh, it's we could then you know take a peek at like how uh, how people um, we can then look at th- to see how, uh, how it was, sorry, uh, we could then, you know, have a better understanding as to, you know, what others think of a particular, um, beer in general. Sure. Um, and then use that information to consider something bigger, uh, down the road. So it's a really cool outlet in order to not just have to go from, uh, you know, half barrel pilot to a thousand barrel, uh, release, um, a thousand barrel national release. It's kind of, you know, baby steps towards that sort of thing. It's like, uh, going into like the minor leagues, if you will, uh, before it, you know, breaks it out into either a national release or, or like a year round release who knows
0: on that little anecdote too, about Corey's logger, uh, that logger, was for, uh, for Maine with Love beer. It's for Maine with Love number six uh, that released in 2021. And then in, now in 2022, that's actually, it got bumped up to a national release. So it's going to be uh, called Seconds to Summer and it's coming out uh, in a 12 pack of 12 ounce cans this summer. Yeah. So and that's not exciting. the only one.
1: It's true. Floating holiday. So uh this, right. uh lemon um, pail that we did. Uh, you know, that was another from Maine with Love release for 2021 that's, we all, we already knew that beer was good, uh, before it transitioned into from Main with love. But, uh, once we did, you know, the, the beer is just, the beer is awesome. Uh, yeah. and that's now floating holiday for, uh, for this year. So, so it's cool. And this, you know, this, this whole progression is fairly new for us. Um, prior to, you know, last year, even, uh, we didn't really have this sort of, um, process from you know uh like this we didn't really have this uh, this middle area i guess if you will mm-hmm. to in order to allow us to you know um do a smaller release of these so it's pretty cool and i think moving forward it's just going to ensure that for anything that we do in a larger scale that we're picking the best beers that we make all you know all the beers that go through here all from made with love releases they're awesome all the beers that we have cataloged on the pilot scale, like they're awesome. We already know that. But, you know, of the ones that we decide to do on a like a much larger scale, like those are beyond awesome. Those are incredibly <laughs> awesome. So and we know that because it's it's gone through all these steps.
0: Yeah. Liz, what's your favorite for me with love beer so far?
2: Ah. I love any of the, the um, wheat beers aged on fruit. Like yeah. that is like the weight of my heart. So I think for Maine with Love 13 was, for Maine with Love 1 and 13, I think we're both yeah. wheat beer aged on fruit, different fruit. And so those are like
0: so, so good. And those are Those are just really cool in the process because they're actually aged on second use fruit. So it's like, yeah. for me with love 13 to be specific about that we have a beer coming out called a uh, honeyberry tumble that's aged on cherries and honeyberries or also called hascap berries but it's we brewed that beer you know aged fermented it on those berries and then took that beer off those berries and put a wheat beer on those second use berries um and then it kind of sours them a little bit is is there some more like lacto kind of hanging around on the fruit uh Patrick, or how does that kind of?
1: I mean, there's some residual beer on there, but uh, in general, you know, some of the fruit still has fruit character to lend, so um, we're able to capture that in a smaller amount. So, I will say too, it's it's helpful because you know the way we add fruit to beer, just in terms of looking at it uh, from like a pounds per gallon perspective. Mm-hmm. We're around two pounds per gallon uh, fruit to beer, which is, you know, when you think about it, it's, it's pretty insane. <laughs> that's, yeah, heck, that's yeah a ton it's ton of a heck of a ton of fruit for sure. Uh, but then when we put beer back into that tank, if we're reusing it, we don't do it at that same amount. We'll do a smaller amount, just knowing that, you know, the amount of character that is still there is uh, is minimal to some extent. So if you pull put less beer in you'll get more character when you take the beer out so but it, it's cool. a, it's a that, cool thing that we're doing you know a way to to reuse something that would have just gone yeah. as like compost essentially
0: totally and that those those beers specifically are the ones that patrick was referring to when he said like most of the for of love beers come through the you know pilot system those beers just happen to be like by necessity we have this extra fruit we're going to use it this kind of second time to Make a little more beer. That's very special and tasty.
2: What oh, about you, Brett? That My beer
0: guard. I don't think I even knew what a beer guard was, honestly. So me like, either. no clue what the flavor <laughs> it. It's It's been popping up uh, in, like, yeah, it, popping up in the tasting room. Every time I see that beer, I have to get it. It inspired me to, to submit a beer to guard to the pilot system. What was it called, was Brett? Say for. it. Say it. Oh, it was called, well, it was brewed with a butternut squash. So it's called beer de gourd. And I thought I was the cleverest person alive. And I looked it up on like Untapped, and there were like 40 other breweries <laughs> that make beer reports. So <laughs> it's, it doesn't, it's not going to have that name. Uh, but I was honestly really pumped with how that beer came out. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. It's tasty. I'm glad.
2: Is the color, was, did it impart like a nice color? No, in it too? I think
1: there are some darker uh, malts no. in there that probably lent more towards the color than anything else. Yeah. One of the cool things for me uh, was the fact that that beer used a yeast strain. It's this French ale strain that we had never used before. And for me, it lent this like Venice character, this almost like grapey white wine sort of Mm -hmm. character to the beer that I've never experienced using, you know, a strain here. So... We've already done some riffs. Why we, I mean, uh, pilot team. Um, you know, Zach Boda, who's our QC manager, mm-hmm. he uh, brewed a beer a few weeks ago uh, using that strain, but a lower ABV beer, he did a grisette, um, mm-hmm. to see if he could get those characters uh, just in a lower lower ABV beer uh, and then paired it with some... some um, top varieties that are known to give off, you know, similar characteristics like Nelson Sovin. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's supposed to be like white wine, like, uh, and that beer is so good. It's actually, it's on tap right now. You all should come over and try it because it's, it's one of my, one of the best beers I think we've done so far this year. Wow. And that just kind of goes, you know, that plays into what I was saying earlier about, you know, how important yeast is to us. It's, we, you know, it's, it's the most important thing really, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously hops are important. Like I love hops. Um, but we're really looking for yeast character for the majority of beers that we, we make here. Uh, so along those lines, you know, we started, um, I guess if you want to call it like a, an R and D program a while back, uh, which initially it was just focused on just kind of stepping outside of the box of ingredients that we were generally using for most pilots that were submitted and seeing what else was out there. Um, If you know anything about hops, you know, there are new hop varieties coming out every year and it's not just Mm -hmm. new hop varieties. It's experimental varieties too. It's, it's overwhelming. Um, And it, could be challenging to get a look at all of them. Um, So one thing that we wanted to start doing was just exploring to see, you know, what sort of characters, certain hop varieties that we hadn't used before were like in our beer. Um, Mm. So in order to trial those, we do some small scale dry hop trials using, you know, uh, a specific variety. And then it will kind of go through a similar process to our pilots where it will be put on tap. Uh, and those beers will be, you know, rated on a hedonic scale of how much do you like it? How little do you like it? And you're also able to comment on, you know, what do you smell, taste, uh, and then we get feedback that way. And, you know, initially it was the intention of starting a program like this was for pilot team members, you know, to give us, you know, other tools in our belt for helping folks create recipes. But really what, uh, what came of it was not just that but uh, people would submit ideas specifically around certain trials that we we're doing hmm. so they would be like oh my god i loved xyz hop variety that was just on tap the other week i want to brew a beer around this this is what i'm hoping to achieve flavor wise uh, but we also do you know yeast trials uh, hmm. which are just as important uh, for the same reason you know to to see what's out there for yeast strains and uh, be able to integrate those in, uh, in new beer ideas. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool that we're able to you know have all these trials go through this like feedback process and, and to give us more options um, for helping folks concepts come to life, which is like literally the most satisfying thing ever you know, when you help someone with an idea, and you see it through, and you know, if you're able to taste it with them, like the look on their face, uh, if you were able to help them achieve exactly what they're looking for, it's like the greatest feeling ever. So Sounds that's nice. just on the pilot scale, then if you're able to tell them like, oh, yeah, and we're interested in doing this beer and scaling it up, like, it's, you know, that that is, is such a cool thing to be able to, you know, tell people so. So I don't know. I
0: love my job. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I feel like I mean, Liz. Did you have anything else that you were wondering?
2: No, I gotta you submit did. an idea for sure.
0: Yes, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna not I'm gonna put you out there a little bit, Patrick, because uh, Patrick. Well, a I've I've kind of one thing to say and one thing to ask. The thing to say is that so Patrick's actually the person behind uh, Alagash Cezanne. If you were an Allegash Saison fan, uh, you have Patrick to thank. Uh, we love that beer. And, uh, the question that I have for you, Patrick, is have you, are you like some in pilot ideas? Do you have one on the books or are you just doing a lot of R and D stuff?
1: Uh, it's a little of both. Um, you know, I have one that's in the fermenter right now. Um, so we were, you know, years ago playing around with the idea of creating, um, a beer that had some tartness or acidity to it, but that could also be sent uh, through our normal tanks and our normal processing equipment. You know, when you talk, when you start talking about like tart or sour beers, then you're talking about stuff like bacteria. And any beer that has bacteria, um, you know, those beers are amazing, but we can't send those beers to the same equipment that we that we send something like white through. It's uh, more challenging to ensure that you're cleaning those uh, uh, those tanks and you know the centrifuge uh, properly to ensure that you know there are no um, there are no areas that still have um, you know whatever it might be that was in the beer uh, whatever bacteria um, mm-hmm. and uh, so one kind of. One, I don't want to call it a project. We were basically trying to brainstorm some ideas in which we could, you know, achieve that tartness by other means. Mm -hmm. Um, So through, I think, some paper and also through a suggestion by our microbiologist in the lab, uh, Mike Beon, we started looking into this yeast strain called Lachantia Thermotolerans. And, you know, nowadays uh, there are yeast suppliers that sell this yeast but three, four years ago, uh, no one was selling it. So this is a mm-hmm. yeast strain that ferments sugars and creates alcohol as well as lactic acid. Um, so, uh, and it's, it's a yeast strain. It's not like a bacteria. So it, it's something that, you know, if we chose to ferment a beer with it, uh, we would then be able to send it through our normal equipment and not be concerned about any cross-contamination Um, So just playing around with that yeast a little more uh, is something that I find interesting, particularly in a lower ABV beer. You know, once you get to around three percent or so, it's it's challenging to make a beer that doesn't come off as watery and thin. Mm. So my thought was, you know, what if we boosted? a beer of that sort with some acidity by means of Lachantia thermotolerant. So uh so the the beer I have that's in a tank right now, it was it's like a three and a half percent um, you know, low ABV beer that used that yeast strain as a portion of it. Um and it was dry hopped a little bit, so uh I guess we'll see. You Sounds know it's tasty. You never know. But yeah, I, I, I think it's more my the majority of my like focus, at least lately, has been on the R and D side of things. So ensuring that we're we're trialing new uh, new raw materials. Uh, we also have, if you don't mind me talking just a tiny bit more, uh, we have uh, we started this program about a year year and a half ago. Um, we call it yeast bioprospecting. So what that means, it's a fancy way of saying, you know, capturing wild yeast. Um, And given our focus on yeast as a brewery, we thought it'd be cool to be able to try to find yeast in the wild, which, you know, obviously with a beer like our Cool Ship beers, that happens spontaneously. So, you know, we send hot water outside, it cools overnight, uh, gets inoculated with wild yeast microbes, and then it will ferment for a year plus uh, at our wild facility. But this program is more, you know, uh, a focus on like one specific yeast strain. Uh, So not just like a a mix culture of a number Mm -hmm. of yeast and bacteria. So uh, what we've done so far is we've been able to isolate a strain off a wildflower that was outside the back of the brewery uh, that gives off this aroma of exactly what you would think these like pungent flowers Mm -hmm. Uh, which is really cool to kind of integrate into uh, into a, a recipe. Um, we also, which we haven't tapped yet, but we isolated one off a raspberry that was right outside. We have uh, some some wooden barrels and uh, right around our tasting room that has some like random raspberry plants, and uh, we took a sample of that and put it in some medium and uh, and, and grew it up, and uh, might be on our microbiologist who was able to prop it up and isolate it. Uh and then it gets kind of transferred to my phase, which is the r and d phase to do some fermentations and make sure it's interesting. Uh, and he's also isolated some um, some yeast strains from some cool ship barrels, too. So uh, pulled like single strains and then propped those strains up uh, to see if they would uh, give off interesting characters. So, Uh, The, you know, even though we've started this program over a year ago, it's still kind of in its infancy in terms of reaping the benefits of it. But eventually, uh, who knows, we can have our deep freeze uh, in the lab. So the deep freeze is a place that we store our our yeast that can be filled with yeast strains that were just either pulled from the air, from a flower, uh, from wherever around the brewery, some tree bark. Uh, and we could be utilizing <laughs> those strains to make pilot beers and then have it go through, you know, the process that we just talked about. Uh, so awesome. it literally being, you know, as local as possible, if you want to call it that. So that's something that i the
2: visual I have in my head of Mike, like wandering around the brewery looking for on a yeast yep. hunt. Is we've, done, pretty incredible. we've done
1: three or four of them now. We literally will go find some grass or go peel off some bark from a tree or go find some rotting fruit because if fruit is rotting, then there's chance for there to be some yeast on there. So uh, we've been doing it for, you know, in the springtime and the fall, and we plan on doing it once the weather starts to warm up. Um, so it's it's really cool. i that's something that I'm super excited about. And I wanted to make sure I talked to you guys about it. No, That's that's so
0: cool. I feel like it was like almost an anticlimax end on rotting fruit. <laughs> 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 it makes great beer. Well, we'll see. We, we, we'll we'll see. It. it might not. Yeah. And then we just move
1: on and dump it and find something else. <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Well, Patrick, it has been a pleasure, uh, Thank you so much for, for sharing all this info. It's so cool to hear about and uh, exciting to be a part of.
1: I mean, I get excited talking about it. Uh, I like live and breathe this stuff. So I'm always more than happy to talk to anyone who's willing to listen uh, about <laughs> anything that's going on here. At the <laughs>
0: Uh, so if you have listened to this and want us to talk about anything, any questions you have, any thoughts, anything you want even us to clarify that we already kind of talked about, um, just shoot us a message at podcast at uh, We'd love to hear any feedback or any thoughts you have.